Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good to be with you. I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'm sure you heard many fireworks continue over the weekend, as we did. Um, but it's it's good. It's good. I, I wish that people understood truly the meaning of the celebration of July 4th and loved our flag and loved our country and understood that it was a virtue to be patriotic and truly live out the values of our country, one God, um, one nation, under God, indivisible. Oh, those words seem ancient today, don't they? Uh, and justice for all. We we hardly see too much of that in our country anymore. It's truly, truly a, a tragic situation. But I hope that you are well and that you are good. And I'm going to continue this morning with this wonderful paper that we've been going through just little by little until the first break. And after the first break, as always, we'll take your texts and calls and emails. And again, the toll-free number to text or to call in is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. And again, we will take um, all of your calls and emails and texts after the first break. And for now... We'll continue to read this magnificent paper uh, titled um, Declaration of the Truths Relating to Some of the Most Common Errors in the Life of the Church of Our Time, put together by four magnificent prelates of the church, holy men of God, true shepherds of the flock, beginning with Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke, the patron of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta, and that magnificent holy man of God that invited me to begin this community of the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel. So he knew of my dream to put my arms around the world and help restore God's design for the family and to return the holy habit, the full habit to the streets, all of that. And he invited me uh, to begin this. And I was so thrilled and so honored. He's a wonderful cardinal. He has suffered much because, as uh, Peter writes, all who live godly, in this present world will be suffer, will suffer persecution and he has of course but he remains faithful greater is he in us than he who is in the world and the following three all i believe are all from astana kakistan far east russia cardinal yanis pujats every time i pronounce these these other two names following i apologize cuz i know i'm not getting it right um, Cardinal Pujat is Archbishop, it's P-U-J-A-T-S, Archbishop Emeritus of Riga Tamash Peta, Archbishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, and then Jan Powell Lenga, Archbishop Bishop Emeritus of Karaganda, and then Athanasius Bishop, Athanasius Schneider, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, that's Kakistan. Um, magnificent holy men of God. We're going to begin today. I don't remember if what number we left off, but I'm on the page beginning with number 19, and there are 40 of these, so we'll just take a few each day, beloved. 
a number 19. And again, these wonderful men of God are not teaching. They're not explaining. They're simply, there's no opinions here. They're simply quoting the teaching of the church for 2,000 years, which does not and which can not change. No matter who says what, whether it's the Pope, whether it's the Cardinals, whether it's a priest, whether it's uh, bishops, nobody can change truth. Truth is eternal. All right, the application to truth uh, develops, uh, our understanding develops, but the truth cannot change. And if we have an application uh, that denies the doctrine, then the application is simply wrong. So number 19, marriage is by divine ordinance and natural law an indissoluble union of one man and one woman. By their very nature, the institution of matrimony itself and conjugal love are ordained for the procreation and education of children and find in them their ultimate crown. Did you hear that, beloved? By their very nature, the institution of matrimony itself and conjugal love, that is the love between a man and a woman in a valid sacramental marriage. If it's not a man and a woman, if it's not a valid marriage, then uh, then the couple is committing sin. Um, okay, so uh, the institution of matrimony itself and conjugal love are ordained for the procreation and education of children. Not just the procreation, beloved, but the education of children. God has given you these souls to bring to heaven, to educate them. And no one else but you, mother and father, have the right to educate those children unless you give those people the right. And if you turn your children over to a public school, to a private school, to a Catholic school, to any school that does not teach the faith or that teaches contrary to it, you are responsible for that, for poisoning your child, because God has not given anyone else the right to do it. The parents have the right to give someone else the right, but what those children learn will be, uh, those parents will be accountable for what the children learn. Um, okay, so um, they are responsible for the procreation education of children and find in them, in their children, their ultimate crown. And every parent, not the church or the schools, but the parents will stand before God and be accountable for the nurture and education and raising of their children in the faith. Every parent. No parent can say, as many parents have come to me in tears, I sent my children to Catholic schools. I didn't know they didn't learn the faith. Well, you are not excused by that. You are handing your children over. If, if you bring a babysitter in the house, are you not going to know who they are? Are you not going to have a reference Are you not going to understand their emotional makeup and what they're going to do with the children? My goodness, are you going to bring someone who who worships Satan into your home to babysit your children? Of course not. Why would you turn them over to anybody, including a Catholic school, unless you know what they're going to teach? Catholic schools, some of them have taken in the core program, C-O-R-E. That is um, 
I want to say demonic because it's not good, it's poor, it'll ruin your children. Anything that's not of God is of the devil. There's nothing in between. You could say, well, it's not demonic, it's just not of God. There's no other choice. The devil is subtle and disguise himself, disguises himself as an angel of light. You send your children to Catholic schools and they have sex education, you have no right sending your child and corrupting them to any school that has sex education. Not under college. These are children. And they are to be taught at home. Okay, number 20. By natural and divine law, no human being may voluntarily and without sin exercise his sexual powers outside of a valid marriage. You know what, beloved? This one sentence, again, this is church teaching. Um, and it's it, we don't believe it because it's church teaching. The church teaches it because it's true. Of course we believe it because it's church teaching. It doesn't become true because the church teaches it. it the church teaches it because it is true. It is the divine moral law given by God. And that answers every other kind of illicit, immoral, so-called union. By natural and divine law, no human being may voluntarily and without sin exercise his sexual powers outside of a valid marriage. So two men get together, they are in, in grave sin. And you say, yeah, but we got married. No, you didn't. You got a piece of paper from a corrupt judge or a corrupt government. You did not get married. No, only a man and a woman can marry. That's God's design. You can make up what you want, but it's not marriage. To women, it's not marriage. Absolutely not. And you're a man dating a woman outside of marriage, you may not put your hands on her. Outside of marriage, keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. Don't even kiss her until you're ready to propose. And you say, come on, mother, you're, you're, you're archaic. Well, God is archaic. He's ever new. Truth is ever present. Don't destroy the dignity of the woman you marry, that you want to marry. Keep her dignity. Keep her purity. And women, the same thing. Don't you want a man to kiss you? Don't lead him to kiss you other than uh, the night he proposes marriage to you. Don't lead a man astray by your immodest clothing and your immodest flirting behavior. Don't do that. That is sin, and you're leading him to sin. That's not love. It is therefore, this goes on to say, contrary to holy scripture and tradition, to affirm that conscience can truly and rightly judge that sexual acts between persons who have contracted a civil marriage with each other can sometimes be morally right or requested or even commanded by God, although one or both persons is sacramentally, uh, although one or both persons is sacramentally married to another person. So if you have been sacramentally married and you have separated, even if you have a civil divorce, you're still married, apart from annulment apart from that marriage having been declared null and void. You are married. And if you are with another man or woman, you are not married. 
and you are committing mortal sin, and you are living in adultery, and you are both on the road to hell. There's no love in that. There is no love in that. Love what wa- love, love wants, love is not selfish. Love wants what's best for the other. And what's best for the other is not to put them on the road to hell. And you say, God will understand. Of course he understands. His mercies are new every morning, but we need to repent. And we need to l- turn from our wicked ways and leave that sin. Number 21. Natural and divine law prohibits any action which either before, at the moment of, or after sexual intercourse is specifically intended to prevent procreation, whether as an end or a means. Okay. I tell you, beloved, I'm reading this paper, and it says after sexual intercourse. It is, I'm going to tell you, I am ashamed to say those words. I'm absolutely ashamed to say those words. That's quoting Paul VI in Humanae Vitae. I am ashamed. It is so debased. It is so debased. In the modern translations of the scripture, you have such language. It is so debased. It is not worthy. It, when you go to the scriptures, it says Adam and Eve knew each other. It didn't say they had sexual intercourse. It's just debased. We have just become debased. What can I say? It's terrible that we can no longer use dignified language. In any case, no intimacy between a man and a woman in a right marriage. No, there is no to be no intimacy, marital intimacy. What's wrong with saying marital intimacy instead of sexual intercourse? What's wrong with that? There should be no intimacy outside of marriage. And if there is marital intimacy, then there must be no action which prevents procreation, no matter what, whether it's an end or a means. No action which prevents procreation. That is sinful, and it it. It renders the marital act a debased and selfish act if we cut ourselves off from one another. We just want the pleasure. We don't want life. We don't want God. We shut God out. We don't want him. We just want the pleasure that he enabled us to have. We don't want anything else. It's sinful. It's disgraceful. It's debased. And we are in mortal sin. Mortal means death. Number 22, anyone, husband or wife, who has obtained a civil divorce from the spouse to whom he or she is validly married and has contracted a civil marriage with some other person during the lifetime of his legitimate spouse and who lives, in other words, while the spouse is still alive, the initial spouse is only one, and who lives in a marital way with the civil partner and who chooses to remain in this state with full knowledge of the nature of the act and with full consent of the will to that act is in a state of mortal sin and therefore cannot receive sanctifying grace and grow in charity. Therefore, these Christians, unless they are living as brother and sister, cannot receive holy communion. 
23. Two persons of the same sex sin gravely when they seek venereal pleasure from each other. Oh, this is hard to read over the air, but I'm just reading it, beloved, because this is church teaching. It's the teaching of Scripture, and we we need to face this. Otherwise, we say, nobody's answering my questions. Well, we're answering them here. Those four men of God have answered them for us to not leave us in confusion. Homosexual acts under no circumstance can be approved. Catechism of the Catholic Church 2357, under no circumstance. And you say, but Cardinal so-and-so has said this, and the Pope has said this, and this one has said this. Homosexual acts under no circumstance can be approved. Hence, the opinion is contrary to natural law and divine revelation that says that as God the Creator has given to some humans a natural disposition to feel sexual desires for persons of the opposite sex, so also he has given to others a natural disposition to feel sexual desire for persons of the same sex that is false, beloved, and that God intends that the latter disposition be acted on in some circumstances. Absolutely false. If God made us that way, he wouldn't. Uh, prohibit us from acting it out. You think God is is a, a demon? You think he'd create us with certain uh, desires and tendencies and all of that and then say, ha ha, but you can't live that way? I created you for suffering? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Those people who say we are made that way are wrong. God does not do that. Do I say that people don't have men or women's homosexual tendencies? I don't say that. But those are, um, um, they are disordered. And they arise from disordered affections, disordered life, uh, improper uh, parenting, and many other things. Number 24, human law, or any human power whatsoever, cannot give to two persons of the same sex the right to marry one another or to declare two such persons to be married, since this is contrary to natural and divine law. In the Creator's plan, sexual complementarity and fruitfulness belong to the very nature of marriage. Number 25. Unions that have the same, no, unions that have the name of marriage without the reality of it being contrary to natural and divine law are not capable of receiving the blessing of the church. I have watched on film, beloved, maybe you've seen it too, homosexual couples, two men coming up with their little adopted baby, bringing up the gifts at mass to a a bishop to an archbishop of the church. How on earth can that be allowed? That archbishop cares nothing for souls. 
He cares nothing for souls. They're on their way to hell, and he is helping them by saying, you're okay, I'm okay. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome, but to not live a life of debauchery. Twenty-six. The civil power may not establish civil or legal unions between two persons of the same sex that plainly imitate the union of marriage, even if such unions do not receive the name of marriage, since such unions would encourage grave sin for the individuals who are in them and would be a cause of great scandal for others. Now, you say, with civil power, they're not Christian. You know what? Government was established to serve the family, to serve the family and religion not to distort it, not to, to put a stamp of approval on what God says is sin and evil. So no, civil power might not, may not do that. They may not do that. But you say they do do that. I know that. I know that. They do do that because they're sinning and they're leading others into sin. I know that. Many people, prelates, bishops in the Catholic Church, say that it's okay for homosexuals to live together in sin. It's not okay. But my bishop says it okay. Your bishop's in sin. And he's leading many into hell. And you need to be responsible for your own soul. Beloved, if you wind up in hell, will you say, my bishop said it's okay? Will you entrust your eternal soul to a fallen away bishop, a fallen away priest, there's no reason for anybody to not know the church teaching. Well, where did the church come off making this up? They make nothing up. I've mentioned before, the church is a waiter, a waitress, a waiter. They're waitstaff. The waiter doesn't cook the food. His job is to take it from the chef and get it to the table without messing it up. The magisterium invents nothing. It is the faith once delivered to the saints. The chef is God. And the church has received the faith from God. And it's their job to get it to the sheep without messing it up. Our Lord commissioned Peter and the apostles, feed my sheep. Not invent food. Feed my sheep. Go into all the world teaching them what I have commanded you till the end of time. Feed my sheep. Today, many of the sheep are being fed poison. They're not being fed fast food even. They're being fed poison. Absolute poison, destroying their souls. And you say, well, how could bishops and cardinals feed us poison? What about the Pope? How is because the smoke of Satan, as Pope Paul VI said, has entered the church? And many have fallen. Many have fallen, and it's just as in, I don't have the particular scripture, I printed it out, just as Peter said at the end, men's hearts will grow cold, and the, the sheep will be led astray. Bishops will be against bishops. False teaching will enter the church. Even if possible, the elect will be led astray. This is what's happening. Our Lady of Fatima, her prophecies are are being borne out today. Our Lady of Akita, Our Lady of La Salette, Our Lady of Good Success, 
everything they spoke about beginning in the 20th century, now we're in the 21st, is happening. And beloved, you could say, well, like they did in the day of Noah, eating and drinking, and come on, what, what flood, what flood? But it came. And they had never seen water before. It had never rained before. What flood? How are you talking? Noah, what are you building a boat? Spending 120 years building a boat. And in 120 years, Noah never made one convert. You think he'd be discouraged? He, he obeyed God. And they laughed at him. A boat on dry land. Noah, what do you... Th-? God watered the land by bringing up a mist from the earth. They never saw rain. But then it rained 40 days and 40 nights. And everything was wiped away. You see, God promised he'll never again destroy the earth by a flood. He did not promise again. He would not. He did not promise that he would never again destroy the earth. He will destroy the earth. It will burn up. It will burn up. And beloved, you could say like they did in Noah, come on, what rain? Come on, what? What second coming? What judgment? What are you talking about? Come on. I think we don't have much time. And I think the possibility of the destruction of the earth, of everything happening in our time, I think it's possible. And I I think it's more than possible, beloved. I think it's becoming probable. And I think we don't have much time left. We need to repent. As John the Baptist said 2,000 years ago, repent. That means turn from your evil ways. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. I believe that. I'm not eating locusts like John the Baptist did. But I think it's time. I think it's time, beloved. We need to turn back to God. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. James the Greater. O glorious St. James, because of your fervor and generosity, Jesus chose you to witness his glory on the mount and his agony in the garden. Obtain for us strength and consolation in the unending struggles of this life. Help us to follow Christ constantly and generously, to be victors over all our difficulties, and to receive the crown of glory in heaven. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. The Station of the Cross offers online tutorials to help you get the most out of your iCatholic radio app. You'll be introduced to our latest features and the opportunities available for not only listening to our live stream, but also to a variety of podcasts of our shows, prayers, and special presentations. For these tutorials and more, click on the iCatholic radio link located on the Stations page of our website, thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Beloved, my apologies for um, coming back a little late from the break. 
Um, it's good to be with you. My apologies today. This is um, Mother Miriam live, and I am thrilled to be with you. I am always, always, always thr- thrilled to be with you. It's such a blessing, thanks to Live Site News and the Station of the Cross, that we could be together like this and live stream. And I know many of you, maybe most of you, are uh, able to listen only on the radio, but you know, f- both ba- Facebook, the uh, Facebook for Live Site News. And uh, it's also streamed live on LifeSite News and the and the Station of the Cross, Mother Miriam Live Facebook page, uh, YouTube. It's all over the place now. So I don't know how that all that happens because I'm not a techie. But I'm I'm so grateful that we're a family and and together can can do this. So okay. Uh, we're going to take your calls and emails again, and I'm going to repeat the number call in number and. Um, uh, email. It's uh, toll free to call or text one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, we're going to take our first email from somebody who writes it anonymously and says, "Mother Miriam, I am writing to seek advice regarding my domestic situation." I heard on the program yesterday that you addressed a couple who lived together before marriage. They, in the attempt to live religiously, were avoiding contact intimately with each other, but were still sleeping in the same bed, although not cuddling. You suggested that the young man move from this situation. I have a similar situation, but in reverse, and need your advice. I'm going to Mass, not receiving the Eucharist, or as a full member, but soon to be, hopefully. I live with my quote-unquote husband, who is really my long-term boyfriend of 22 years. We have a 16-year-old son. We are no longer involved with each other romantically. Neither of us is active at all, even with anyone else. Our relationship has gone dormant for the last 10 years. As I am committing... As I am committing to the Catholic Church, I have no interest in being in a false, quote-unquote, marriage or live in sin. I hope to remedy the situation, as I do love him, but I don't see myself ever being in a sexual relationship again. I am beyond baby-bearing age, and I have no desire for that kind of relationship. My boyfriend and I are happy to live as partners, caring for our child but having no intimacy. We make a good team as parents, and we own our home together. To move out for either of us would be a hardship on our lives and the life of our son. Am I committing sin by staying in our partnership? We live in separate rooms, have separate lives, and don't have any kind of physical contact. Thank you. I tell you, beloved... I, at this point, of course, I I know you've, I'm sure you've gone to confession because that would be an absolute requirement. Um, I would not say if you continue to live in your situation that you're living in sin. I would not say that. However, we are to avoid not only sin, but the appearance of sin, to avoid scandal. I would counsel you to move out or or, the, or your partner to move out. I would. It's, it's hardship. 
it was hardship for Jesus on the cross, but we're too sympathetic toward us, but we don't care about God's honor. No man and woman not in a valid marriage should be living together for any reason. So now, there's the music for our second break. It came very, very quickly because I was late back from the first break. So we'll take a quick break, and then I'm not going anywhere. I'll stay here, and we'll be right back with you. Call in with anything on your heart, one 511 We'll be right back, beloved. Many outside the Catholic Church misunderstand her teachings. But did you know that God uses Catholic Radio to bring about understanding and conversion? Catholic Radio is a powerful tool that helps explain the Church's teachings and guides others closer to our Lord through what they hear. By making a planned gift or bequest in your will to the Station of the Cross, you'll be supporting our mission of evangelization for years to come. If you'd like more information on making a planned gift, please talk with your financial advisor or lawyer. You can also speak with us by calling 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. The Station of the Cross relies on the grace of God and the generosity of our listeners to continue sharing God's truth with the world. Donations of stock immensely benefit our mission. A transfer of stock from your investment portfolio to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network is a great opportunity to use your investment to spread the gospel message. Transfer of stock is tax-free, so you can avoid a capital gains tax, and even in most cases, take a tax deduction for the full value of the stock. Because there is no tax, the amount of your donation is maximized, and the entire process is simple and easy. To learn more about this giving option, please call us at 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. Or visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you, and may God bless you for supporting the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved Mother Miriam live here. This is Mother Miriam. I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be with you. This is so beautiful that we could be together. Um, I just took an email before the break, and it was from a woman who's been with her um, 
a male partner, she calls him, uh, for 22 years. And together they have a 17-year-old son. And they have not been intimate now for over 10 years. But they're living together and they make a good team, she says, as the boy's parent. He's now 16. And do I think they're living in sin if they continue to live together and they're past any uh, sexual activity and all of that? And I said, I don't. As long as you go to confession, uh, I don't uh, under I don't know that you'd be living in sin. And if you go to confession and you're truly living as brother and sister, you could even receive communion. However, uh, I uh, I would counsel you to leave. I would counsel the two of you not to continue to live together because we're we're kind of looking for excuses. Is cause if I do this, is it's okay? If I do this, is it okay? We want to honor God with our lives and picture Mary and Joseph living together, even in separate bedrooms, not being intimate. What reputation would they give each other? Joseph was too careful about Mary's honor to be living in the same house with her, and she would never do that with Joseph. See, even though you've been together 22 years, it will be a witness to your son, uh, to your partner, uh, to your friends. Uh, What are you doing moving out after all this time? Because I've returned to God and I should not be living with a man who's not my husband. But you have a son together. That's right. And our son is old enough, 16. He can live with either one of us or go back and forth. He can do what he wishes. That's fine. But we cannot live together. And so, again, if this man were Catholic, and he wanted to convert, and you two to have a valid marriage in the church, that would be another thing. But you don't. Uh, That's not the case, apparently. So I would counsel you to leave, whatever the hardship is. God's honor is worth more than that. And you say to your son, sweetheart, I don't know if he's been raised Catholic or not, but you say to him, honey, your mom has returned to God. She's returned to God. She's not living in a valid marriage. Um, and, and he needs to know that. He needs to know what it means to follow God. He needs, he's old enough. He needs to know that and say, you know, I, I, I want to honor God and I want to help your dad get to heaven by doing the right thing and not continuing to live for our convenience financially or otherwise or even as friends. We need to do what is right before God. And so we're going to live in different places and we'll work out the finances. Maybe um, your partner can go live with his family or friends. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But you need. I would say absolutely separate, and tell your son uh, everything that's good and holy and right. And he may say, "Wow, mom, it's one thing to follow God. It's another thing to become a fanatic." Come on, twenty-two years. It's not a problem, mom. Oh yes, it is. Why all of a sudden? Because I want to be right with God. I want to honor him. His honor is more important than any relationship we have on earth and convenience financially or any other way. Better for me to uh, live in a shelter than live in a situation that has not honored God for 22 years. How will it begin to honor him now? No. So that's my advice to you. I don't say you're in sin because you're living as brother and sister. I, I don't say you're at sin, um, but I, I it's not a situation that honors God. And I would separate. 
I would separate. We need to honor God on earth. You have friends that are Catholic. You talk to them about what it means to be Catholic, and they ask you about your husband, and you say, well, he's really not my husband. Well, how come you're living together? Well, we're separate. It, there's nothing in there that's a witness to God. But sacrifice is a witness to him. To do what is right, no matter what it takes, to honor God. To be able to shout from the rooftops our living situation. You couldn't do that. You'd have to make all kinds of explanations and excuses. You need to be able to shout it from the rooftop. It needs to be able to honor God. We have an email from Eric from Syracuse. He says, hi, Mother Miriam. I emailed you back in February with my conversion story and wanted to give you an update. I included a copy of the original message in case you don't remember me. Well, Eric, I don't remember the message And you included it, so I'm going to take the time to read that very quickly. Uh, Initially, Eric wrote, "Um, I have never emailed before, but desperate times call for desperate measures, and I trust your advice. I'm going to read this very quickly, beloved, and then I'll get to Eric's point today. I listen to Heart to Heart on the Station of the Cross whenever I get a chance, and if you let me know when you plan on answering it, I will either tune in or listen to the podcast and follow up with any further questions if needed. Well, of course, you can always go to Station of the Cross on any podcast. Um, I am a United Methodist who is strongly considering converting to Catholicism. I grew up United Methodist and fell away from the faith in college. After college, I met my wife, who was baptized, but who was basically raised without any faith background. We got married, and I came back to the United Methodist Church, largely because of my grandfather, a retired Methodist minister, who is still to this day one of the most holy men I know. I have been listening to the Station of the Cross, and am almost certain that the Catholic Church is the one true church founded by Christ and of its merit. Ironically, it is the sacrament of reconciliation that is most appealing to me, as the United Methodist Church does not have it. That brings me to my problem. My wife and I have been married for almost four years, and we have two kids, a two-year-old girl and a five-month-old boy. Prior to the boy's birth, we used contraception by way of condoms. Now that our son has been born, my wife wants to go back to using condoms. I have tried explaining NFP to her and have even offered to go with her to a local doctor who specializes in NFP. She flat out refuses to go. There are two reasons she cites for her refusal. The first is that she is too busy breastfeeding the baby and taking care of the toddler, and so she doesn't have time for all of the things that NFP entails. She says that birth control ought to be my responsibility, as she is the one who has to be pregnant for nine months and breastfeed for a year after the baby is born. Well, I'm going to stop right there and say, if birth control, you could just tell her that... um, uh, there's no such thing uh, for a Christian as birth control. That's God's business. But if she means keeping track of a calendar and all of that, you're happy to do as much as you can for her on that or with her. And and she says the second reason is that she has read that NFP has a failure rate of almost 25%, which is 
I suspect is a result of being used improperly, though I'm not 100% certain of that. She should look at the failure rate of condoms. It's probably higher. I have read that failure rates can be as low as 0.5%, which is why I want to consult a doctor or someone with more experience with NFP. But as I mentioned above, she has refused to go. Well, you could, that won't stop you from consulting somebody. You could do that. We have been abstinent since our son's birth. But now she is telling me that she has been masturbating and that if this continues, she will either leave me or have an affair. Well, if she has an affair, then she leaves you. Well, it's one and the same. I do not want to see my marriage fail. I truly believe that God brought us together and that it is my duty to do everything in my power to save her eternal soul. That being said, I don't know what else to do. I feel that if I let the marriage fail, then I weaken not only my opportunity to help her, but also my chances of raising my children in the faith. I pray for her every day, and I do my best to sacrifice for her, help her around the house with the kids, etc. What are my other options? I have read on a Catholic forum that if one spouse contracepts and refuses to stop, even when confronted with the church's teaching on contraception, then the other spouse is not liable for it, for at least the liability is mitigated. I do not trust this source, which is why I'm seeking your advice. Also, my wife is the only one who knows how I feel about converting to Catholicism. She tells me that she has no problem with Methodism and would allow our children to go to the Methodist Church. However, she vehemently opposes the Catholic Church's teachings on homosexuality, contraception, in case you haven't figured that out, and IVF, intro, um, in vitro fertilization. Again, I have tried explaining these to her, and but she is not ready to listen. I pray someday that she is. I am therefore conflicted about making the transition to Catholicism, as it would likely divide my family even further and make it more difficult or even impossible to get my wife and kids to church on a regular basis. What would you recommend? Sorry for the long email. I wanted to make sure you had all the facts. Share as much or as little as you like. Sincerely, Eric from Syracuse. Eric, beloved, uh, now that was Eric's first email, uh, dear ones. I know this is long, but I cannot imagine... Eric is alone in this state. Eric, dear, I don't recall what I answered you at the time. I do not. But contraception is intrinsically evil. It is evil in any form. It goes against, it is contra, it is against conception. It is against the act of marital love. Your wife doesn't understand that. But it's not if you enter the Catholic Church, it's a grave sin. Now that you know it's a grave sin, it's a grave sin even if you remain Methodist. It's not Catholic teaching. It's God's moral teaching. And as you may know, there was never such a thing as any contraception prior to 1930 when that Lambeth Council and the Anglican Church made an exception only within marriage for women who would whose lives would be in danger if they got pregnant again. It was only within marriage, only for the life of the mother, and now it's spread to everybody. But the Catholic Church has never, ever given in to such a moral evil. No, contraception is God's 
law, and we cannot even, again, you can remain Methodist, but now there's a book called Bible and Birth Control, and if you read the back cover, you would, you would, you would, anybody would swear that it's written by Catholics, but every quote is a Protestant quote, and I had Protestant friends who read that book, and they were convinced about the evil of contraception before they ever became Catholic, and they did become Catholic. So now Eric's email today. He says, Mother Miriam, I emailed you back in February with my conversion story, wanted to give you an update. Um, My wife continues to refuse to even consider natural family planning. She allows me to go to the Catholic Church sometimes and continues to allow me to take our kids to the Methodist Church. I don't like that term. Your wife is not the head of the home. You are, and she doesn't allow you. She does not allow you to do that. If If she tolerates it, that's another thing, but she doesn't allow you. She's not the head of the family. You are. He says, I try to get to Mass every Sunday, but it is difficult since I am often watching the kids or working on Sundays from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and she has forbade me from taking the kids to the Catholic Church and has threatened to divorce me if I do. Fortunately, I do get to go at least once a week. Now, you have not told me so far, dear one, Eric, if you are Catholic. You never told me if you became Catholic. He says, I spoke with a local priest who has been encouraging me and even gave me the phone number of another local parishioner whose wife is Catholic in name only. He and I have a lot in common, and we meet every Sunday morning and go walking together. um, And during this time, we can encourage each other on our faith journey. I wish you told me, Eric, if you became Catholic or not. Um, Uh... Thank you, because if not, um, you probably shouldn't be going to the Catholic Church and and having that interfere with your marriage if you have not yet become Catholic. Thank you for your advice. I heard your broadcast both days. You read my email. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't have been listening normally, but happened to be coming back from the bank when you started reading. God's timing is perfect. I continue to do my best to show my wife how much I love her. Um, Okay. Uh, I'm so sorry, Eric. I don't fully understand the situation now. Um, You must not practice contraception. You must not. Um, I know marriages have broken up over this, but this is God's teaching. It's an evil and you must not. If your wife divorces you, you have to let her commit a sin rather than you commit a mortal sin. You have to let God have his way, but you don't commit a mortal sin to stop your wife from divorcing you. Okay, beloved, we'll speak with you tomorrow.